Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. If I sound tired and miserable, it's because I am, because, oh boy, I should have done a lot more episodes in these past few days. It's just that information just keeps on coming and coming, and it's... Uh, so weird. I think that we're actually going to move back to sh- even shorter, like 15-minute episodes, but they're going to be out daily since I can't squeeze them all in into a single thing happening on every other day or something. Because it's weird. For one, um, I have to give credit out here to War Translated. Dmitry, or all buddy, wartranslated.com. I was there before even he had a web page. He posted that stuff on Twitter. I really, really recommend you follow the guy. And uh, as I was recording this, apparently, Yedina Russia, United Russia, political party, HQ, in Melitopol, Melitopol, uh, the occupied territory, just went up in the air and exploded. So, uh, yeah, it's near midnight here as I'm recording. Because of all the mess, and just now, the United Russia's headquarters in the occupied Melitopol just went up. So I'm gonna investigate this this tomorrow. In Kherson front, the thing that I was really worried about actually happened because, um, well, the военно-воздушный десант ВТВ basically uh, kind of the airborne assault units, which are the most elite of the Russian army. Yeah, they managed to escape their encirclement, which I really hoped wouldn't happen, which is why I was super hush-hush about it. But they took a lot of losses, so that's good. However, the best part is that, and again, I have rewritten this episode multiple times, and, uh, well, one more thing, a Political Orphanage, podcast called The Political Orphanage, they visited me in Latvia, just as I had, just as I had arrived back from, from Athens, yeah, and we had a nice tour. Uh, we're going to have some collaborations in the future. Check them out if you haven't. But now we're back to uh, our main show, which is basically Girkin. Because Girkin, he was very quiet in these past few days. He was extremely quiet because we experienced, due to the Ukrainian successful counterattack, a lot of uh, wankering and a lot of issues on on their telegram boards and everything that I used to sit on. But, uh, yeah, right now... Ukrainian counterattack has been so good and so awesome that um, a lot of people have been just going crazy. But I just focus on Girkin because our buddy Girkin slash Strelkov is actually providing some in- intense things. Uh, lately, he's been gone full into Doomer territory. He stated out publicly that um, that uh, basically he he thinks Russia is going to lose the war. Which is interesting coming from him being a super pro-war supporter. But uh, yeah, tomorrow at 7 p.m. he's gonna he's gonna do do a nice little hour-long something about the whole whole war situation. I'm gonna listen to that 
That's not going to be in tomorrow's episode. This is going to be the day after that because I'll have to do tomorrow's episode at about 1 to 2 a.m. or p.m. Sorry, my time. But we'll get to that at any point. Here is what Gurkin states, states about the situation on the front and everything. In the Kharkov front, the enemy, that is Ukrainians, again, I have to repeat this to, to the newer listeners, Gherkin's a pro-Russian guy, he's very pro-war, he's a terrorist, listen to my other episodes, Gherkin, everyone here knows Gherkin. I think we're going to have Gherkin t-shirts at one point even. Mm. In Kharkiv front, the Ukrainians, he calls them the enemy, uh, yesterday basically forced uh, a massive massive assault in the area of Balakia. And they took the out, outer perimeter of uh, of the city, and they took the city in general, because the city was defended by the battalions, mobilized battalions of LDPR, with a minimum of heavy weaponry, who couldn't, uh, couldn't like, hold it. And the second line of defense was also unable to hold back the the, the Ukrainian assault, because those were the parts of Rosguardia. And if you listen to my previous episode, you will know that they're only good for beating up protesters, not fighting. And apparently, well, this is why one of the biggest kind of focuses there were, you know, uh, were this Balakia. And besides that, they also took some villages in the surrounding areas known as Volhovyar and Verobka. Now about Balakia. That's a thing that Gitkin doesn't say, but that's in all other Western analysts', analysts uh, news, and you can also check that on Google Maps. Balakia was an important point because it's a, it's a massive, massive uh, place of various stockpiles of guns. There's a massive arsenal there. And it's like, um, it, it's an arsenal built in Soviet era, which consists of a lot, like over over. 10, maybe 20, I don't know. Everyone says a lot, which is more than 10. Uh, definitely, uh, maybe like even 20, maybe more. But definitely more than 10 huge hangars full with stockpile stockpiled ammo. Built with concrete so that if, even if once and, and set apart, so that even one if one catches fire, others won't be harmed. And, and they're like... They used to be a massive victory for the Russian forces because you can like stock stock up on ammo there, and they there used to be Soviet stockpiles there. Well, now Ukrainians have captured that part, so that's good. This whole thing is a massive tactical loss for Russia. Now, apparently, continuing on with Gherkin, Gherkin's uh, sources state that um, besides the fact that Rosgvardia was useless. Because again, they're only useful to beat up protesters. Uh, they also spotted the fact that, well, uh, Russian aviation was extremely careful, because they had only attacked the offensive forces of Ukraine from the maximum possible distance, which had uh, very much slowed their effectiveness. This is because. This is because Ukraine had done a lot of prep work, which part of all this OPSEC security uh, silence was a part of the preparing for ground of all this. Ukraine had moved their forces very carefully. They had assaulted and uh, and used artillery on the Russian positions, which means that uh, everything went to plan, which really denied Russian forces their effectiveness. Now, apparently, uh, due to miscommunication and everything else, 
Russian artillery also couldn't work at work enough, and now we have rumors about two Russian volunteer divisions or battalions, uh, two large units. Uh, he says basically two elements of Russian kind of volunteer units apparently have been surrounded in Volkhova Yara. I will I will figure that one out later. It's probably true, but. You can never know. And Girkin, again, because his Doomer quality should be taken with a grain of salt. However, I think that he might be even more reliable in some cases where it comes to, well, the whole situation there. So, apparently now everyone is in massive amounts of shock because there's been a lot of movement in the Kharkiv front. And Kherson front, well... (sighs) Apparently, no one was prepared for this. This has caused a massive blow, just a humongous blow in the Russian propaganda circles, since none of them really expected this. And uh, because of how they've been painted up, their mainstream whole media about how they're super successful and super awesome. Well, um, yeah, this has been a major blow to morale, and me being a part of NAFO, or the fellas, yeah, makes me happier. So, I don't have bad news to report, except that uh, the group Wagner, uh, the Wagner private military company, they reported that they've taken a village uh, also, but they had reported that they had taken this village about two months previously, and the current video has come from the outskirts of that village. So, I can't really give you a proper thing about this. However, one interesting thing that uh, War translated, Dmitry hasn't translated yet, is an interesting thing because due to how the Donetsk People's Republic soldiers held this area, which Ukrainians took, you know, so a lot of blame from Russian part has come to, to these guys. And then Strelkov posted recently this, like literally today, and it's a long post which I'm gonna, which I'm gonna translate to you as best as I can. Because he writes a little bit about problems, the very, very sharp ones, which do not allow me to critic, uh, to critique the, the warriors and commanders of the People's Republics, who, in the opinion of some strategists, don't defend their positions hard enough. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Because, you know, apparently a lot of people on the Russian side blame the uh, Donetsk and Luhansk people's republics, those separatist terrorists, about the losses. And um, Girkin, you know, does something very interesting for us here. At least for my show. I don't know how how fun this is for for his supporters. But he puts on a portrait of um, the default uh, default company of these mobics, the so-called mobilized people. And this is, by the way, when I understood that the word rota is not squad, but company. And, and like, squad is a bit below that. But it's basically company. So, you know, there is company, then there is battalion, then there is division. <clears throat> but uh, he describes um, the default company that functions on the nth, the nth direction of the nth front. You know, 
just to be as much default as possible. So the company has been gathered together in, um, in the condition of uh, some hundredth something something, uh, something something battalion of the Narodnaya Militsya DNR, or the People's Militia of DNR, in the end of February, or in the beginning of this mar- March this year from the mobilized people. In um, the, basically the, the first kind of in the, the first recruitment of these hundred people that served there, in the real battles, only three to five people are there that have actually have some battle experience, and about fifteen have only served in the army in general, in any army, Soviet, Ukrainian, or you know People's Republic. the The command of this com- company is from an officer of reserves who hasn't fought ever not in not in 2014 not later sometimes which is nearly not always uh, he has an officer replacement person you know uh, just a, the same sort of level of officer who could replace him without any battle experience and uh, basically the squad commanders have been you know assigned those people who've been basically been anywhere near to battle anywhere near at least somewhat remotely to battles from 2014-2022 but at two lower levels you know that that you know not not even officers enough for that through uh through this half a year this company which already had begun its kind of battle destiny in Russian side of about 100 people, had uh, dieted a lot of about 25% to 30% of its, its kind of condition. About half of these losses are because of the battles. Artillery, snipers, uh, getting, in, getting into prisons, whatever, something like that. The others... Well, they have been, you know, pushed out of battle because of their old old illnesses that doesn't allow them to carry on with their service. And, well, the, the ones that were skipped over were when they were mobilized. That is kind of like all this med commission everything. Because apparently in Donetsk and Luhansk, they were basically recruiting according to the principle, head, two arms, two legs, younger than 70, you're, you're in. The half of uh, the remaining 60 to 70 soldiers are apparently, well, only theoretically ready to fight because the other half is is unable to properly fight because of their age and the other, you know, diseases and illnesses and chronical stuff that basically, basically haven't just yet, for now, made them being, made them just go into the condition of just sleeping people. And yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just translating this because this is a lot, a lot of text instantly and uh, had to scrap my whole previous script for this. Hope this works. Hmm. 85% of all these people there are still fighting. They haven't been into, the, into any vacations home for the last six months. But the 15% of the lucky ones had been into their vacation for a whole five days including two days for the road, in which very few of them actually managed to pull themselves into because there is no transportation there. 
This company is armed, in their majority, with uh, AK-74 uh, Kalashnikov uh, assault rifles, with, uh, as Girkin states, the second and the third category of being used. And and in some cases, even with Mosinki, or Mosinagar rifles, and uh, and Degaterov machine guns, DP-28. You know, some of them are still in the armament. Mortars, zero. Grenade launchers, one, two, maybe, per company. There's about ten of them for, for the whole kind of battalion. And also, there there might be some, some other heavy weaponry uh, given out from the whole battalion, but no one in the company can use it, not even talking about the fact that they could just take it apart and, and get it back again. Armored vests? They haven't seen any. <laughs> Means of communication? None. Well, uh, any any tools of night vision and even more infrared vision? Same thing as before. They have a... Uh, the, your default average Donetsk Luhansk People's Republic Militia Company has a single optical touristic touristic commercial binoculars. And that's uh, the commander. And... Uh, they know that drones exist, but only because, well, uh, the the uh, the Ukrainian drones scout their positions and coordinate artillery fire on them. So, uh, yeah, and that their their trench tools, well, what they basically have found and uh, gathered in the closest villages. Again, gathered here with a bit of irony here, because even Girkin understands that these people have to rob their own stuff. They also have their own, don't have their own transportation, which, by the way, in the battalion, yeah, it's also in very tiny quantities. And, um, well, all, you, their uniform and their shoes, which have been acquired half a year ago with the method of mm, what what was thrown away by giving out stuff and who, uh, who managed to capture it, well, those things have been, you know, uh, basically used up until the point of no return, but no one's replacing them. Basically, this is the situation also with all the other equipment. This, basically, all, all, the, all the additions in the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic militias, which, by the way, are the majority there of, of like people fighting on the eastern flank, because those are the only places that are mobilized. Yeah, this is their logistics situation. And now people ask me when the war is going to end. Well, if the situation continues like this and the uh, Russian side does not get resupplied anymore, think about how these guys, and this is a pro-Russian guy who complains about their situation and says it's too bad, think about how they're going to go down in December. But, um, yeah, that's going to be it for today. Tomorrow we're going to come back with more explosions and more fun stuff. Have a lot of work. Again, I am... Um, I'm slowly starting to hate all the situation that I have to re-record episodes twice or three times already. But uh, in the end, I just wanted to say that if you want to become, want to become a patron of our show, please, please do consider it, because that's a lifeline for us. Without you, our show won't exist. Um, Patreon.com slash Eastern Border. And uh, also, well, if you want to make a one-time donation, then the Eastern Border.lv, click the donate button there. This currently goes on for volunteers and for winter clothing for Ukrainian soldiers. 
And another thing that I just happened into my mind today. If you are a fella, like I am, and you have a business that you want to advertise on, I'm I'm going to be running free ads for all the fella associated businesses. So please do spread the word around. Then I'll probably just go to sleep because, well, re-recording is bad. But we're back to the daily daily schedule here since, uh, yeah, too many things are happening. A lot of them are just way too important to kind of be left aside. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 